Well, uh, I don't know about <laughs> you, but I am like quite properly hung over on that election. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Trump lost. The evil is defeated. Barely. For now. <laughs> yeah. Barely. God, that was pathetic. I- I'm pissed that. The thing is, I'm pissed that fucking Biden won. But I'm very happy that Trump lost. Like, <laughs> it's good that Trump's gone. I am totally down with, like, laughing at and viciously mocking his incredibly sad sack bullshit. But. For fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. do you blow? A perfectly winnable landslide like that. Like, how? How do you do that and look yourself in the eye in the morning? Deny it's a problem in the first place? Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> ah, so yeah, welcome to Chop Shop Economics. <sighs> we read this shit so you don't have to. And don't worry, we're not going to, like, totally rehash the election shit. Um, There are plenty of other podcasts who do that better than we do. Just go listen to Worst Year Ever or whatever. Like, we... It's done. It's done. It's over. The evil has been defeated... Um, there's really nothing left to say about it unless something horrible happens. Um, and in which case, you don't need us to tell you about it. You'll hear about it long before we get to record an episode. Exactly. It's, you know, (laughs) we'll see what happens. Shit could still go sideways, but... Yeah. You know... (laughs) Right now, we'll we'll just sort of take it. And, oh, as a heads up, since it looks like our grand apocalyptic year is finally starting to inch towards a whimper instead of a bang, format will be changing just a little bit in our next regular episode. Yeah. Like, we... It's a really good way to organize our thoughts and present them to you, but we've kind of run up against the limits of it at times, and, you know, you can't keep Doom posting forever. It's not good for you. Not really. Uh, I mean, you heard me in our last episode, in our last Doomsday special, I was fucking sick of this topic. I I did not want to discuss it, but I had to. We'd much rather be doing our beat of talking about the latest evil bullshit that's come out of Wall Street, or how Jeff Bezos has been discovered to have, like, a puppy punting fetish, or, you know... The shit that's in our lane. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, at the most, like, we will be performing our cat food free watch. Um, we will not allow the, um, 
fucking deficit commission to uh, play us a third fucking time. Disgusting freaks. Seriously. Fucking ghouls. They can't even wait. But, you know, before we get into that, here's our last (laughs) White Horse update. (sighs) The total death count from Trump, and we are thankful that it was only at this level for COVID-19 appears to have stabilized so far at 237,000 people, which for those keeping track at home is four and a half Vietnams. Yay. I mean, there's still time. Oh yeah. And it's like, we could hit a hundred September 11th before the year's over. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, there's not a hell of a lot the internagram's going to change in that respect because our policy is to do nothing. Um, I mean, there is there is good news from the incoming administration and such, which we'll get into in a bit, but it's like, Jesus, fuck. Um, it could have been so much worse. We'll be happy that it didn't crack into six zeros. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there there was a time when I was afraid it was going to go to, like, you know, a couple million, because the rural healthcare system just completely fucking collapsed. Um, we didn't get that far. Thank fuck. We could still end up blowing past, like, say... America's war deaths from the Second World War. That could still happen. But we might even get close to touching the Civil War. Yeah. I mean, as it is, this ain't over, but there there are some vaguely promising signs on the horizon. I guess we should get into those. Yeah. Um, So the biggest one, which broke... Uh, just before time of recording, is the Uh Pfizer vaccine trial actually has some good results, which is nice because all the vaccine trials so far have been like, yeah, we're going to have to pull that because of unspecified but bad side effects. Trust us, they were bad. (laughs) Kind of thing. Or uh, it's the joint vaccine, but you don't get the joint vaccine because... um, Trump kind of told the WHO to go fuck themselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> not that I'm bitter about that or anything, but it means that, you know, because we didn't coordinate with them, uh, nobody pre-made any doses um, for distribution in the United States. So, like, even if the joint vaccine passed trials here, um, we don't have any to distribute. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. It's. It. At least that's coming. Like, Pfizer has announced that 90% of cases in the trial were effectively protected. So that is like. We could see a viable vaccine at some point in 2021, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's. It is kind of good that, you know, they did have 
something to deliver, but <sighs> it's gonna take well into the Biden administration to get it out to more than like a few people. Exactly. Um, like, but you know, this is a very encouraging sign, obviously. Yeah, like this is actually good. So yay! And Biden has announced his new COVID task force, which mostly looks like you know people that actually should be on a pandemic task force. And oh not yeah, Jared Kushner or Mike Pence. <laughs> Mike Pence, the one who fucked the dog on. Um... <laughs> On his HIV crisis. Yeah, that was great. Fuck you. Mm. Yeah. Glad he's gone. Glad that creepy fuck is gonna be gone. Like, I'm pretty sure that he also is really happy to be, like, stepping out of the limelight forever. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. I mean, this is... This is at least good good news, and, you know, like, the thing we were kind of afraid of that, you know, the only vaccines that were going to be available were going to be from companies that went too fast, you know, just to comply with Trump's bullshit, um, and deliver him, like, an election day special, um, that didn't happen. Um... <laughs> Like, if the Pfizer news broke a week ago, then things would be very different. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting to suspect that that's why they sat on this for a bit. Um, let the domestic situation stabilize a little before, um, you know, announcing this. I mean, they have made very, very concerned noises about uh, the implications of being associated with Operation Warp Speed. I mean, the yeah. name of it is just kind of no. <laughs> warp Speed into a brick wall. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Pfizer also sat that out. Because they're yeah. not stupid. Yeah, like, a lot of these companies, they don't want to be tainted by um, we made a vaccine, but it, like, kills half the people who take it. Um, we don't want some, you know, Hoffman drug shit. Um. <laughs> yeah. And this is, you know? you know, and this is good to see, especially since we are seeing things like the UK is actually doing a lockdown again. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. And Europe is going into lockdowns. Like France is already locked down because the second wave is hitting. And, you know, our third wave you know, it's just sort of like the latest crest of the first wave. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to say about that, really. Um, yeah. They they opened up a little too quickly, and now they had to shut down again. It, you know, sucks to suck, I guess. This is literally the one thing I will agree with Joe Biden on, is that anything involving the economy has to take a backseat to COVID. Yeah. Because anyone with eyeballs can see that. Yeah. I mean, it's like... I'm a little worried that... um, 
we're gonna get more anti-lockdown bullshit. But I don't know. There's there's nothing to be done. Um, I mean, eventually they'll die. Ugh. No, they might spread the disease. That's true. But yeah, so that's our, you know, I guess you could say COVID update. Uh, mm-hmm. the, brought to you by the re- the White Horse. <sighs> Meanwhile, the Red Horse appears on the horizon for hopefully the final time this year. At least the final time on this show. Yes. <laughs> we'll still be covering um, this crazy shit, don't worry. But Oh, yeah. How could we not? <laughs> I guess the biggest one is all the threats of violence and disruption of the elections by Trump's wannabe brown shirts didn't happen. Because apparently <laughs> a better epitaph for the red hats than brown shirt might be brown pants um you want to get into that mm-hmm. Bormas silver yeah so basically the thing with the doomsday special um that i feel the need to like emphasize is that the whole point behind um gaming out all those scenarios is so that you know you're not ambushed by reality like we weren't sure that the more lurid possibilities were going to be the ones to go forward um and we also weren't sure like how competent trump's little coup would be but it seems to have pretty much fizzled out um trump simply it's like he has access to like you know the sort of ghouls who implemented the whole bush versus gore scam um who made the brooks brothers riot happen um i mean hell the people who um made sure that ohio um flipped for Bush um, when it probably shouldn't have back in 04 he had access to all those fucking people and he selected Jared Kushner to lead it up he picked his fucking fail kid I mean that's par for the course but of course, that's what we kind of had to worry about, that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Trump or someone close to him might, you know, grow a spine of competence and, you know, declare war on the American people. <laughs> or at least, you know, throw enough wrenches in the gears that he could sort of claim victory by virtue of my ass is behind the resolute desk. Yes. And so far, that doesn't seem to have materialized. There's just, there's nothing there. Um, a lot of, like, the actions that the far right was probably hoping to do didn't materialize, partly because the FBI hit most of the people who were 
going to do the thing. Um, and because nobody in the far right really knew what the, you know, nature of the beast was going to be, um, I mean, a lot of them thought that, you know, he was going to win, and he was going to win in a fucking landslide, you know, 400 EVs or something. Trump's going to win California. Um, that's, that's something I saw in, like, one of those, you know, 4chan copium posts. Um, like, the level of just out in space <laughs> that was coming out of the far right in the lead-up to the election just... It kind of almost gives a sense of complacency, really. Yeah, yeah, that that was the shocking thing. I mean, you have to remember that just like, you know, the liberals have no idea what we think, um, and they don't, uh, and so they're not, like, trying to be our perfect opponent or anything, neither is the far right. Um, they don't really do 12th dimensional chess they can barely handle two dimensional chess like um, even the shit libs are capable of comprehending how to play divide and conquer against yes. like the liberal left coalition whereas the far right just does not how does not seem to have an understanding of their main opposition that is not filtered through a lot of bullshit yeah, it really didn't help that the one guy who might have managed to, like, do something tried to do it in Philadelphia. Like, they tried to make yeah. the whole thing about Philadelphia. And the problem is, is that... Don't. Like, <laughs> no, no. A like, bunch of outsiders coming into Philly to antagonize the locals and stop the count like did england actually think that what that was gonna work like this is the city that when the cops went and did another let's shoot a black guy in broad daylight that said fine we're gonna run you the fuck over guess what yeah. the left has cars too <laughs> i mean they they raided an entire fucking Walmart without any real provocation. You know, just went at it. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that store had a rep for being, you know, as hateful as the Target that, you know, ate shit in Minneapolis way back in the day. God, that was only like a few months ago. Seriously. Yeah. So they decided to try to pick a fight with Philly, and that went about as to be expected. Like, probably the funniest shit that came out of that, I think, was, like, Lou Dobbs on Fox was all, like, thousands of Trump supporters need to just surround Philadelphia, and Philly Twitter promptly was like, okay, let's go. Come on, motherfucker. <laughs> I keep remembering that that fucking meme of Gritty in a cave, and, and Gritty's like, you know, I have a whole bunch of absentee ballots for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know. As you do. Like, the, these people had, like, no fucking chance. 
Um, so, so yeah. I mean, it, it could have been much worse. It could have been much worse. It's not like... We do also have to give a shout out to our Antifa comrades and friends of the show for the largely unsung and tireless work they've been doing the past basically decade or two of actively shredding the far right's networks wherever they start to get cohesive enough to be a threat. So, I mean, this isn't just because the far right are incapable of organizing a piss up in the brewery it's also because anti-fascists have been sniping off anyone who looks like they could yeah i mean it's worth noting that at this point the only honestly the only group that really scares me these days organizationally are the dominionists because they've They've got a network that we can't quite break because it's based in the churches. And so they inherit a lot of the organizational structure and passive supporters and such from, you know, having a church on their side or a network of churches on their side. That's something a lot of the far right just doesn't have or doesn't have anymore. Um... And there's only so much those churches can really do. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the the streets far right that's affiliated with the Dominionists, like Patriot Prayer is a Dominionist organization. Um, And it's pretty telling that they're the ones who've kind of stuck around, whereas... You know, a lot of these fucking losers um, have more or less fallen apart. Like, they have to import piss boys. Um, They don't have any real homegrown ones anymore because we keep fucking terrorizing them. As it should be. And it's it also kind of goes back to, and this quote has been attributed to, like, so many different people, like, most popularly Sinclair Lewis, um, uh, that when fascism comes to America, it will be draped in a flag and holding a cross. And, you know, there is a certain amount of truth to that, that the most, on one hand, the most cohesive block of fascists in the United States are the Dominionists, because they are the most Americana of all the yeah. different far-right formations. Like... The guys that are running around with swastikas and shit, they're nasty, they're dangerous, they're not terribly organized, but part of why you could argue they haven't really gotten any mass appeal is because ultimately they are an import from a different time and a different place that doesn't really hold anymore, and the Ku Klux Klan is way too gauche and disorganized to be able to reassert their role as America's fascist party. Yeah, I mean, they held it in the past, and part of how they... Oh, yes! And and part of how they held that is how the Dominionists get their power. They held it through church networks, in part. Um, They held it through, you know, being members of quote-unquote respectable society. And when that finally broke... It's just a bunch of nostalgists in hoods at this point. Like, yeah, they're a threat locally, but 
it's like, you know, the average age of a Klansman is only creeping up because most of, I mean, most of, like, you know, the skinheads and such correctly recognize the stink of failure on them. Like, fail (laughs) to reassert themselves because of that, as well as that they're totally disorganized. But, you know, this is... This doesn't mean the American far right will continue to be this disorganized, but for now, it means they're on the back foot, and anyone who's listening to this podcast should be helping your local anti-fascists keep it that way. Yeah. Like, I would say give it, like, two weeks a month. And we'll probably see more action from the far right um, if we're going to. But the fact that they didn't have their shit together enough to like do any sort of coordinated action in support of the president on election night in the days after, like that's really fucking telling, isn't it? Or some. On the other side of the red horse, we <laughs> have Brexit. Oh, God. <laughs> and it appears that another thing this podcast may be agreeing with Joe Biden on, although he's being rather quiet about it, is a 32 county Ireland. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I mean, it's. Yeah, they just keep taking the L on this. Like, it really doesn't help that the Tories have gone out of their way to antagonize the Obamas and wherever you think of them. It's like, you know, Joe Biden likes the Obamas. And so... (laughs) And, And the stuff that's come out recently from Biden's people is not encouraging. Like I think my personal favorite was calling him a sh- calling Boris Johnson a quote shape-shifting creep. Um, <laughs> I got to say I'm pretty sure that's like that phrase is not allowed in the dictionary of diplomatic language. Yeah. I mean it's like I don't think that you know um Joe Biden is going to bend them over dictate terms for every last factory the UK has to be shipped to Mobile, Alabama at the Tories' expense, but they're not getting a trade deal anytime soon. He's even indicated that when asked about that again, he said, uh, yeah, I'm focusing on domestic priorities for the first part of my term, which, by the way, starts about 20 days after the crash-out Brexit will happen. Yeah, and... Uh, I mean, it's... Like, on one hand, it makes good sense <laughs> to do this wait-and-see thing, because everyone else is, because once, you know... Tory Britain has thoroughly hurled itself into the pavement with a crash out yeah. Brexit after actively antagonizing the EU on every level possible, including after the election, Boris Johnson lecturing the EU that they need to get serious. 
I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the Brexiteers' heads are literally exploding. Like, Nigel Farage is flipping his lid over the fact that Joe Biden is not going to give the Brexiteers any of what they want. There's been shit in, like, a couple Brexit groups I keep an eye on where the, like, most hardcore Brexiteers have, like, resurfaced this old picture of Joe Biden hanging out with Jerry Adams, the head of Sinn Féin, <laughs> the, like, Republican, we want to uh, unite the 32 counties of Ireland party. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like that guy, um, the Financial Times interviewed said, um, the U.S. has a special relationship, all right, but it's not with the U.K., it's with Ireland. Especially when Joe Biden is an Irish Catholic. <laughs> there was even this video going around that this was the thing that caused Nigel Farage to flip his lid, was this video where like a BBC reporter at, shortly after the election was like, like, Joe Biden, I'm with the BBC, do you have a comment? And, like, just sort of off the cuff, and he clearly is just quipping and being funny, because he immediately, like, smiled right after. Biden says, I'm Irish! <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really think that, you know, they're going to take their priorities seriously. And nope. it's like, all of this was, it was all avoidable. Like, the UK pissing away, like, every single ounce of influence it had was completely avoidable. This wouldn't have normally happened, except that, like, uh, how'd you put it? David Cameron flipped his shit because UKIP <laughs> managed to get one Tory MP to cross the aisle. Said Tory MP, by the way, promptly got his ass kicked in a special election that followed. <laughs> Not exactly, you know, a ringing, you know, indicator that the far right's gonna eat your lunch there, but hey. Um, and he also seems to have greatly underestimated his own party's competence in the 2015 elections and overestimated the Fib Dems, so... <laughs> And now, and now, they, at this point, they are entirely reliant on Brussels' mercy. Because now, and see, this is, this is why I was kind of skeptical about all the Lexit bullshit. Like, I can see why you could make that case, but... I think what everything is pointing to so far is that the EU is going to make an example of the UK to tell its unruly regions that if you try and leave, we will fuck you. And really, it's kind of worth pointing out that even the Front National in France, I know they've rebranded themselves, but whatever, that's who they are, um, mm -hmm. has backed away from their Frexit plans. All the different like right-wing and left-wing parties that were talking about leaving the EU have become very quiet during the last four years. 
Um, yes. But what does this mean for the global economy? Well, at this point, Britain's about to crash out of the European Union, lose 40% of their export market with no trade deals to cut, take up the slack, and they are one of the top 10 economies in the world. So, you know... If you thought that this whole crash was going to get better, put down the crack pipe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's, yeah, that like, the, <laughs> the economic system that we are currently operating under needs that like a hole in the head. Yeah. I mean, it's... They are... Uh, the EU is... They can discipline the UK however they wish. And They're still gonna take it in the teeth. Yeah. And so are we, because anything that hurts the EU is gonna hurt all of the EU's partners. Which yes. includes China and the United States and Japan. I, and honestly, I think that because like, if this were Corbyn, I think that, you know, the EU 27 might be, might have been amenable to, like, let's just drop this or at least, you know, negotiate something a little more reasonable so that our mutual economies don't come apart. But as of like 2019, he was even running on a let's hold a new referendum platform, yeah, which was like, what the Blairites wanted. The same Blairites who rat-fucked him out of a majority in 2017, and then probably rat-fucked him again in 2019 over Brexit, and have now guaranteed the worst of all possible Brexits. Yeah, I mean... This isn't just the Tories' mess. Let's not blame it all on them. Yeah, this is a pretty much every major party has a hand in this. The Lib Dems, oh, Labor, yeah. <laughs> Tories, they're all responsible for this. Like, really, the only parties that have been not totally shellacked by this are the Greens, who might actually pick up members because of the whole Keir Starmer suspending jeremy corbyn bullshit that went down last week um the snp mostly because they took one look at it and said yeah we like the eu the eu gives scotland money and scotland uniformly voted to remain and now the snp is going so we've done everything but put the key in through the mail slot we are ready to leave good luck and, you know, the Greens only have one MP, so there really isn't much they could do. Yeah. They have, like, five I mean, in the Scottish Parliament, but, like, one in Westminster. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't think it takes a political genius to realize that Brexit is going to stress their internal politics to the breaking point. Um. I don't... <sighs> the whole Scottish situation honestly kind of worries me. Um, the, just as much as the Northern Ireland one. Um, if they try to hold on to Northern Ireland 
it's not going to end well because, I mean, the UK does not seem to want to uphold their obligations under the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. Um, which, which is one of the things that um, Joe Biden has been kind of mad about that and the Tories have been making. Yes, yes. Like the U.S. establishment has been rightfully kind of upset that the U.K. wants to um, drop the Good Friday Agreement. Especially because um, it was the U.S. establishment that helped engineer it in the first place. So there is a certain level of, you shits. We went to all that effort. We got our members of Congress who were not so quietly shipping arms to the IRA to cool it. Yeah. And you're pulling this crap. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to say. It's just, it's a supremely fucked up situation. And this like, will probably end with Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland being grandfathered into the EU by virtue of Ireland saying, yeah, we'll set up like a pan-Celtic federation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you seen that Northumbria thing that um, some of the North England people are trying to push? Oh, yeah. But there's, like, all kinds of regionalism just within England itself that's mostly based on fuck London, so... Well, to be fair, like, you know, Westminster's there, and Westminster has been fucking them. Yeah. Um, They're for not like, wrong. <laughs> for, like, the past 40 years. I mean, they didn't fuck them quite as hard as they did Scotland, but... Jesus, fuck. Well, I mean, really <laughs> anecdotal experience, but I will say that whenever I was traveling in, like, the north of England or in Scotland, like, without me prompting at all, not a single word from me, I would get random, like, Mancunians and Scousers and Scots who would be, like, not even a drink in after, like, about five minutes going, you know, Margaret Thatcher really ruined this country. They're not wrong. They're they are not wrong. <laughs> like, didn't have to say a damn thing. This was freely offered with minimal quantities of alcohol. And for anyone who's ever been to the UK, like one drink is like a friendly hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Absolutely. Like So if the U uh, if the United Kingdom um, falls apart and devolves into a bunch of, you know, a gaggle of EU-aligned regional states um, in a uh, in, you know, either a British or a Celtic federation. Like, this is what you wanted, Tories. This is what you wanted. <laughs> and this is also what you got, Blairites. You bought this. <laughs> you two Fibdems. You know, all you right-wing centrist shitbags, all the stupid shitlibs, this is your mess. You made it. Yeah. yeah. You don't get to blame anyone but yourselves for this. If you had just <laughs> gone along with the democratic socialist, this would not be happening. 
Yes. Like, I mean, what the fuck do they expect to happen? No, they thought they'd get away with it. Somehow. That's very true. That's very true. Of course, that gets us to something that will definitely not happen. (laughs) Total black horse. Oh, yeah. Um... So, the stimulus! Uh, it's still it's... not happening. <laughs> oh. Like, I'm only it's... laughing because I'm not so that I don't cry. Um. <laughs> so, it's like... Larry Kudlow is still being like, we're not interested in, you know, two trillion or three trillion in stimulus. I sound nothing like that dude. Um, but he's like, what a fucking dweeb. I will miss getting to pick on Larry Kudlow. Mm-hmm. But it's like... Though he might just get a job as a fucking fox pundit again, and then we can keep picking on him. Mm-hmm. So, basically... Ugh... Connell wants to um, do a deal by the end of the year. Um, And he's basically claiming that the jobless rate has declined to um, 6.9%. Now, of course, they fucking broke the link. Fox. Fucking can't mention goddamn sight. Um, so I don't know where they're where the fuck they're getting this idea that there's only six point nine percent unemployment. Where the fuck did that come from? I have no idea. That had to be like one of those three a.m. cocaine binge thoughts because nobody has been saying that for a while now. Like, if anything, the argument is which number is more accurate and we suspect the one that says one in three Americans, which is the worst unemployment on record for the United States in ever. Um, it's probably close to truth. Yeah. So basically the GOP wants to do this, you know, skinny stimulus again. So that would be another PPP renewal. Uh, free hundred weekly federal jobless benefits. Um, not sure how the fuck that would work. Um, <sighs> there was basically they wanted to do the whole um, indemnifying businesses for COVID, um, and you know, it's a little slush money for testing, vaccines, schools, childcare. Um, but none of the bridge funding for state or local governments. Um, no Trump bucks. No Biden bucks. Definitely. Um, Absolutely the Dems, no Bernie bucks. <laughs> yeah, the Dems wanted you know to restore the six hundred dollar weekly um, Bernie bucks instead of this three hundred bullshit. Um, and I mean this this uh, just isn't gonna fucking fly. Because 
It's and it's not just, enough. Th- this isn't even a band-aid on a bullet wound. This is you're bleeding out from a sucking chest wound and somebody says, I'll call an ambulance. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't really know why McConnell thinks that this would be enough. I think he thinks he's found like, you know, I think he's found numbers that he feels are sufficiently cooked to back up his bullshit. Um, Well, I don't think he's even operating on that level of good faith. I think this is purely about repeating the same game they ran against Obama. And let's be real, worked. Mm Mm-hmm. Reminder that Cat Food 2 did not go through, and neither did Cat Food 1 for that matter. It was blocked both times by the Tea Party. And the Tea Party throwing wrenches in the gears was one significant factor in the Democrats getting pasted in both houses of Congress and losing any capacity to do anything of substance, as well as getting cleaned out in state legislatures at a really appalling level. Like, yeah. Yeah. This- like, <laughs> All so that, you know, Obama could have his grand bargain on killing Social Security and Medicare. Because deficit. And who was the architect of that evil? I don't need to say it. President you know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Vice President Biden! <laughs> <sighs> So, yeah, I I guess you could say that our coverage of this is almost kind of like Franco is still dead. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, like, no stimulus that's going to be sufficient for the yawning chasm that has swallowed American capitalism whole is going to pass before January 21st. And unless the Democrats roll the hard six both times in Georgia... Probably won't happen, period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... (sighs) Remember how the Obama stimulus wasn't enough to fix the economy then? (laughs) that That's gonna look positively, like, forward-thinking and aggressive, by comparison. Yeah. I mean... The best... Absolute best case is that somehow... Um, you know, both of those runoffs do well. Um, we get Democrats in, and um, the government, the Senate is merely deadlocked instead of in the hands of Republicans. Um, and as it is, not all Senate business can be transacted with 50 votes, plus, um, Kamal Harris as a tiebreaker. Um, I'm fairly certain they can't abolish the filibuster with that. No. Um, no. The McConnell would whip heavily against that. Um, so, you know, we'll be stuck with 60 vote to cloture, um, 51 to pass anything. And there's still gonna be, like, there are some votes where, um, the Vice President cannot break tie votes. I don't recall quite what those are. Um, but the point is, is that uh, 
a 50-50 Senate is not sustainable. Um, neither is a, you know, the Senate remaining in the hands of the Republicans. I guess it's good if, you know, you're worried about the gun rights thing. Um, but yeah, this is going to be... <laughs> expect this economic disaster to continue. Yeah. There's ample data from places like the University of Chicago that argue, oh, wait, half the jobs that were lost due to COVID aren't coming back. There has been permanent, irreversible harm inflicted on multiple sectors, not industries, sectors of the U.S. economy. Um, In fact, that actually kind of is a good segue to (laughs) the one that we are happy with. I fell under the Reaper's scythe. (sighs) Under the baleful eye of the pale horse. Oil is fucking dead. (laughs) We've been following this story for a while, but ExxonMobil recently declared that they're writing uh they're planning on writing down like thirty billion dollars in stranded assets, terminating fourteen thousand employees. They just took a six hundred million dollar bath um on this quarter. They're not doing pretty uh, they're not doing very well. This is it. The writing's on the wall. And by the way, of that $30 billion that's being written down, a lot of it is tar sands, Bakken crude, all the stuff that is in fracking country. So, I mean, for the people who are justifiably angry with Joe Biden promising not to ban fracking, he doesn't actually need to do a damn thing. Fracking's already so dead that it's never coming back. Yeah. Like, at this point... The losses that the oil industry has taken in that area of activity are irreversible and irrecoverable. The cost curve for renewables is beating the shit out of fossil fuels like nobody's business. There's never going to be a world where oil prices are high enough to sustain fracking ever again. And that price level is going to keep dropping as renewables squeeze oil and force an oversupply crisis which will drive prices down more and will progress things from there it goes your fracking to there it goes offshore drilling in the gulf of mexico to there it goes offshore drilling period there goes onshore drilling in America. There goes drilling in <laughs> Russia. Like, eventually we are going to hit a point where even Saudi Arabia will not be turning a profit off of their oil. And that is the cheapest, cleanest oil on the goddamn planet. <laughs> ah. Yeah, our... um Egyptian correspondent has talked about this before. It's great. Yeah. They're Oil's, just gonna Oil's completely fucked. lose their leverage. <laughs> Oil is so fucked. 
It's and we did nobody would have seen this coming at the beginning of the year. If you asked anybody, including us, what do you think is going to be the central fight facing climate change? And it's going to be the oil industry will slug it out for the next decade and is going to go down kicking and screaming and bring us right to the edge of disaster instead of like, oh, uh, they actually kind of face planted on their own sword completely by accident. Yeah. Ah, I see you want this oil barrel. The price for it is negative 37 bells. Would you like to buy it? (laughs) When we made that crack about 20 a barrel, we thought that was the worst it was going to get. And that was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that was so long ago. (laughs) We really have to do a special on this, because this has been one of the best stories out of 2020. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, But, I mean, as you can probably guess, it's not good for the states that, you know, rely on fossil fuels. Um, And who did not plan ahead? Um, Looking at you, Alberta. Um, But also... Still wants a pipeline. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For oil they can't sell. I don't. I don't see Biden granting it. Like, <laughs> what? What would it even be used for? At this point, I think what's going through the Alberta provincial government's head is that it's just a point of pride. Yeah. At least they'll be able to say they got the damn pipeline, even though it's completely empty and whistles when the wind hits it just right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but. There is another state that's in much the same boat that Alberta is. Actually, um, probably worse. Probably worse, yeah. Um, Wyoming. Um, Wyoming. Um, the governor recently said that they're considering just cutting funding to some of their small town governments because they can't be sustained. Um, they have no corporate tax. Um, they have no state income tax. Um, property tax is very low. Um, sales taxes, meddling. Um, it's not a very it's- functional state in terms of like tax collection. And we're also not... They have a rainy day fund of like... 1.7 billion, but that doesn't last long when your expenses are like 1.5 billion a year as a state. I mean, that's that's not sustainable. And now that there's no blood um, in this particular stone, um, all of a sudden um, it's looking like Wyoming's um, country towns are just kind of fucked. It's done. It's this is their entire governing regime is the Republican wet dream, and it depended on the assumption that the coal industry will always be there, except, you know, India and China and the other places mm-hmm. that were supposed to save the coal industry have all been like, yeah, actually, no, we're not interested. 
So, yeah, now they're literally talking about rolling up the sidewalks in Wyoming. Yeah. Like, this isn't just like what happened in Kansas and Oklahoma, where, you know, they have, like, some diversity of economy going um like those particular wounds were all self-inflicted um wyoming um kind of prided itself on being like you know the place where you get the free ride you don't get taxed um you don't really see that much for your um not taxes but um at least you're not taxed um and that kind of worked back when you know the government was still getting you know kickbacks from energy companies um and they've been taxing the fuck out of their like um wind energy projects which they do have some or not but that's not gonna be enough yeah this is this is going to be, and this is not just going to be Wyoming that's going to get hit with this anywhere that's been depending on coal mining, like West Virginia, Montana, um, Utah is probably going to be feeling this pretty soon as well. Like, this is a critical industry is in the process of dying. No effort was made to prepare for this. There was no significant contingency planning. And... Yeah. They also, you know, suffer from the problem of, oh, wait, half the people who live here are fucking chuds, and nobody wants to relocate to the chud next door for their remote job. Yeah. I mean, it's like, a lot of the states you listed have, like, marginally functional tax structures, so it's not like, you know, they're totally screwed, and West Virginia that- does have, like, a proud history of going, fuck that, we're just gonna shoot the mine owners and do whatever the hell we want. Yeah. I mean, it's... Hint, hint. <sighs> <laughs> this is... We're seeing this first in Wyoming because their their tax structure is just uniquely dysfunctional. Um... I mean, they don't even collect fucking corporate tax. What the fuck? So, yeah, that's... that's just, you can see it as a preview of coming attractions, really. This is... Oh, yeah. yeah. It's rolling out. This is... The small government disaster is unfolding. The let's put it all on fossil fuels system is imploding, and... Yeah. And... There's... <laughs> At this point, it's really too late for Wyoming to pivot, not without really radical action. Like, it's sort of on track for five ranchers are going to get two senators and a congress critter. Yeah. Like, the thing of it is, is... How to put this? Um, Like, the reason... Huh? Like, this is why a Green New Deal type thing is necessary. This isn't yeah. some, like, this isn't some crazy socialist plot or something to take away your car. This is, hi, Wyoming, here's an alternative that does not involve eating shit and dropping dead. Yeah. 
And, like, the, the thing I would point out is the feds really do kind of need to step up in terms of infrastructure funding and such. Like, they've been dropping the ball for, like, the past 40 fucking years. Like, this is not just Wyoming's fault. And the other thing is, is, and this is something that, you know, the, the EU has struggled with. The reason we, part of the reason we had the Civil War in the first place was because of a lack of transfer payments. Um, before the Civil War, the, the feds largely did not fund the states. Um, they kind of just let them to their own devices. And it turns out that that's not very workable. Um, and that's not very workable because like some states just can't quite sustain themselves um, for a number of reasons. Infrastructure, bad geography, things like that. And so, you know, your federal tax dollars go to improving those states. Because if we didn't, then we'd stir up the same animosities that led to the first civil war. Um, like, there, uh, there is a reason you pay federal taxes. Um, it's to keep the states from becoming completely unglued. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... This is preview of coming attractions, folks. This is places that refuse to transition on their own are going to eat shit and die because the Republican Party has decided that the Green New Deal is socialism and not, yeah. oh, wait, basic essential stuff for having a functional anything. Yeah. Like, you got to do something with all those unemployed miners. And it's not learn to code. Okay? That, we need to get that out of the way right fucking now. Remember, the whole learn to code push is mostly aimed at making coding cheaper. Yes. It's not about getting more people good paying jobs. That whole supply and demand thing you right wingers love to harp on about, that also works with skilled jobs. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's slowed the process down is most people, when once they've learned just enough to know if they're going to be good at it, don't want to do it. Because if you don't have the mindset, doing this fucking sucks. Like, there's not... There are just not a lot of people who you know, can really em uh, empathize with a computer, can really understand it on a deep and fundamental level, like it's an extension of themselves. And so that's <laughs> that's a big problem for a lot of these learn-to-code people because it doesn't work like that. This is... Yeah. It's a craft, and it's it's not impossible 
for people to learn. Um, but if enough people learn, then you're going to have a lot of $15 an hour jobs. Yeah. And also, it's like, you know, worker conditions are going to collapse, and they're already not great, especially in, like, the gaming sector. Um, oh, yeah. Like, the only thing that is keeping, like, a tech worker strike at bay at this point is the fact that the pay is quite lucrative. The moment that goes away, oh boy, <laughs> that's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, I mean, it's already pretty vile in terms of, like, uh, with gaming, it's like, a six-figure salary is not guaranteed. There's a lot of companies that are perfectly okay with death-marching their workers. It's not just a Polish thing. Um, they absolutely do it here. Um, you know, like, all the way back to, like, the EA Wife stuff um, back in the uh, the mid-aughties, you know? <laughs> There's no easy fix that doesn't involve massively rejiggering our economic system. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mostly I'm just saying, like, the word to code people, like, they know they're being fucking disingenuous because anyone who's like done this stuff especially for pay knows that this is not just something you can you know you can teach it just anyone and they'll do well in no they're it's working like, on that they, yeah they are working on that why do you think they put so much in ai yeah but, like yeah leaving that aside <laughs> i think that gets us to our last trip to hell Although we uh, will be covering this fun shit in its own form, in the new format. Mm-hmm. And I guess that starts with, you know, the Democratic Party once again has decided after narrowly snatching defeat from the... After narrowly avoiding watching defeat be like fall into the jaws of victory <laughs> as they do blowing what should have been a winnable landslide um the centrists didn't even wait a day to start immediately going after the party left who arguably saved their bacon yeah not even yeah. arguably like i will stand this position until the day i die rashida Tlaib flipped michigan ilhan omar kept minnesota in the blue column fuck yeah. you very much the only reason we have the only reason biden won georgia is because a whole shit ton of people worked for it to drown out all the fucking shots and you know what the thing was that flipped Arizona? The Navajo Nation, which was mostly entirely at their initiative. Like, the Biden campaign didn't lift a fucking finger in the tribal lands of Arizona. And it was the tribal lands that brought the game. Yeah. Yeah, the margin was, like, it was a fan beauty. But yeah. 
And this was self-organized from the bottom up. This was, like, even arguably, like, Nevada. That can, you could draw a straight line from that back to Bernie's caucus victory. And the organization that was built there through rank-and-file culinary workers who gave the finger to the labor skates running their union and went strongly for Bernie. Yeah. Like... Like like the more that comes out like and there's other people that are covering this way better but it it just but like the more that comes out about the missed opportunities of the biden campaign the more it's like holy fucking shit how do you guys tie your shoes in the morning like in florida you are not a member of an organized party you're a democrat the florida democratic party basically it almost doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You can't get a hold of it. And multiple journalists have tried. It's like, it's almost amazing how badly they fucked this. Um, a ballot measure pushing for $15 an hour minimum wage in Florida did better than Joe Biden. Yes. There's a problem here when that's happening. And it's like, they didn't campaign. Biden, uh, Biden's campaign was very dismissive of the Latin um, community, um, or we should say communities, because in Florida, that is actually very fucking relevant. But somehow, I don't think a few thousand gusanas we're going to tip the fucking balance. I think... I was expecting the Gusanos to flip. No. I mean, maybe someone in Biden world was, but that someone probably also, like, does a tremendous amount of LSD. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's like, they took... They could have won Florida, I think. But they couldn't have done it with Biden. Not with, not with this shit show. Um, you would have to like actually organize. You'd have to actually do things, and that's the alarming part. Um, in a lot of these cases, it doesn't appear that the that the state or local Democratic Party had any resources to give. They just weren't there. In a lot of the down ticket races, there was no no support for digital. Um, a lot of the people who took baths um, did so on the lack of a digital campaign. Um, it was really kind of amazing just how badly they fucked the dog here. Yeah, like, I mean, the my personal favorite is they wheeled out John Kasich to be all, like, you know, the fucking anti-choice, anti-labor Republican who rechristened himself a never-Trumper and got a gig on the DNC speaking list, um, managed to uh, not flip Ohio. In fact, actually, Trump, who won Ohio by 8.1%, <laughs> 
mar- by an 8.1% margin in 2016 managed to increase his margin to 8.2%. So, I mean, what the hell was John Kasich doing other than, like, counting the money and cashing the checks? <laughs> the Lincoln par- uh, Project thing, um, total bust, unless, unless... You know, losing important. Republican voters is the goal. No, no. I mean, that's a side effect, but the real point of the Lincoln Project was to pay um, consultant agencies that the founders just so happened to own. It was totally the perfect con. Yeah. Because, of course, the shit libs would be dumb enough to buy that. Yeah, so like $40 million of their $69 million haul just went into paying their consultancies. So, hey, there's $69 million that could have been spent literally anywhere else. Mm -hmm. For literally any number of more productive purposes, including giving Joe Biden a $69 million bounce house. Yes. Oh my god. They poured $120 million into Amy McGrath's campaign. And it was all fucking wasted. Someone who already lost her previous run. Mind you, this is a proven loser who somehow is going to win this time and not get blown out by 20 points and waste money in the process. It's just so... So, yeah, it's kind of funny that... I think the graph actually had pro-Trump ads in Ohio. Just, yeah. I So, it's just I don't kind of know. hilarious... That they're punching left at this time when the centrists really shot the bed. Like, it was not a single progressive or DSA or squad member lost their seats. In fact, the DSA of 29 people they endorsed, 20 of them won. Like, if anything, the party left had a much better win-loss record than the center. So for the center to turn around and pull this shit is just fucking hilarious. And it really actually kind of brings us to a scenario that we've talked about before, and we did a Twitter thread about it, (laughs) that we like to call the American Kerensky. Oh my god. So, yeah. um, How to put this? Um, so for like a short history lesson really short um Mm -hmm. when we're talking about kerensky we are not talking about nicholas kerensky of the battletech universe we're talking about alexander kerensky the short-lived provisional president of the russian republic from february 1917 on the old russian calendar to october 1917 of the old russian calendar more or less um Mm -hmm. who's Major policy decision was to keep Russia fighting in the First World War, even though Russia's involvement in the First World War was at that point the greatest disaster in the history of Tsarist Russia, and was directly responsible for the overthrow of the Tsar. 
because reasons. Um, it's... And all this opened the door for the Bolsheviks and the October Revolution. Yeah. It was just this amazing fuck-up. They just poured men and material into a war that they were sort of winning, sort of not, but at the same time, there would literally been riots about this and so many other fucking issues, like, a few months ago. And he just, you know, takes a whole bunch of peasants, ships them out with guns, and then he expects to not eat shit domestically. Like, this is yeah. an amazing failure of political calculation. Nearly as bad as, you know, the bets that Nicholas II made. Um, so this, this kind of... <laughs> granted, we're not in the middle of a ruinous war, but... <laughs> Biden world looks like they want to play nice with a Republican party that will gladly shiv them to their face. Yes. Which would be in given circumstances equally stupid political calculation to make. Especially when we have a rising young and angry militant left that has kicked the shit out of the cops. In multiple places. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't want to overstate what we, our balance of forces too much, but at the same time, it's like, come on, this is. The AFL CIO <laughs> was actually contemplating general strikes for the first time in ever. Yes. I mean, it's like, the only reason we avoided that outcome is because, you know, Biden eventually got declared the winner. And Trump was incompetent, and his bl brown pants were nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, basically, um, like, he has a whole shit ton of challenges, um, for the record, I, I am not entirely sure that Bernie would have been up to the challenge. Uh, my instincts kind of say no. Um, but he would have at least tried. Um, he would like, have absolutely rolled out David Dion's executive action wish list. Yeah. Like, this is... He would at least be willing to confront the root causes of, like, you know, our societal collapse, um, which are very much rooted in our material conditions. Our material conditions fucking suck. Um, but Biden... Biden doesn't have it. He... I will give him this. He vaguely senses that something is wrong. Um, which is actually kind of an improvement over his, um, over both Clinton and even some of his previous statements during the primaries. Um, like, 
there's now some sort of dim realization that no, actually, things are kind of fucked right now. Um, I don't think he fully appreciates the magnitude of the danger, but I think he at least knows it exists. Um, and that is so dire. That is so, so dire. Um, this like, is kind of where we're at. <laughs> we could get a situation where Biden spectacularly fails to get really essential things done mm-hmm. in a timely manner that not only delegitimizes the existing government and emboldens the fascists in the Republican Party, because at this point, that's what they are. Let's not pretend they're anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of the, like all of the not Republic, uh, like all of the not fascist Republicans jump ship for the uh, for the Democratic Party. Yeah, but like- what it also <laughs> this is also happening in a context where the squad and the party left are now actively under the gun to kick the shit out of the centrists and. Mm-hmm have the means to do so in several places. And I'm also fairly certain that if you backed AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley into a corner, they would go knives out on their own party without batting an eye. Because at the end of the day, they were elected by their districts and their supporters. Like, the they are more of their wing of the party than they are of the party itself. Yeah. And it's like, it really doesn't help that because of the horrific, just amazingly horrible job that the... uh, that the Democrats have done to, like, maintain their state and local parties. The thing of it is, is that, you know, even if the centrists keep the party machinery, that's not as that's not as bad sounding as you might think, because in a lot of places there is no Democratic Party. Like like how I discussed Florida. Um you know, in a lot of states and in a lot of counties, even, um, if you're a Democrat, you are not a member of an organized political party. Oh. Um, like, that's, that's not just me be- repeating an old facetious joke. Um, that's, that is the reality of the situation. If you're a Democrat, and you're not in, like, one of the few boot-looking districts in this country that, you know, the Democrats vaguely pay attention to and actually have party machinery, um, you are not a member of an organized political party, and the Republicans are. For all of their faults, they actually have a working party structure. That they use it for evil is a separate problem, but they actually have one. And so... 
the la- uh, the left reformists could not possibly do any worse than the centrists in this respect. So yeah, at this and you know they'll be advancing a positive vision, which is something that is proven to get people to show the fuck up and vote and do other things as well. You'll also be getting this fun thing called the material conditions are going to keep pushing people over to hang out with us on the radical left. Like, if you thought Donald Trump was a great spokesman unintentionally for the American anarchist movement, wait until the Greater Depression really starts to take hold. <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm remembering uh, last week's Trillbillies where Tanya's like, the anarchists are right! <laughs> Yep, damn right we are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Voting really does change nothing. Not when you're dealing with these fucks. (laughs) Like, you know, we're not just saying this because we're, like, doctrinaire and, you know, all that are... We're ultra-left wreckers or whatever dumb shit they come up with this week. Like, the reason we hold this opinion, and if anything, Sanders is kind of the final proof of that in Corbyn in the UK. If voting changed anything, they'd make it illegal. Like, and so whenever voting friends to change anything but they go out of their way to suppress it or in some other way fuck with it mm-hmm. like i mean let's not forget that the uk basically the entire media establishment went wall to wall to destroy jeremy corbyn in a way that was simply astonishing i was over there when it happened and it was like everybody became fox news on a good day yeah. Even the fucking Guardian, who has problems, went full on, let's fuck with Corbin. It was incredible. So, you know, <laughs> I, don't know. I-, I guess that's a good place to leave it as, you know, come out in the street and keep doing the thing. Because yeah. there's going to be a lot of things to be doing. Oh, yeah. Like, th- this is what I said when I was angry posting um you know only we can save ourselves okay don't expect them to do it for us because we've seen we uh, we've seen that you know the neither party gives a shit about you they just they don't they don't that's that's incredibly obvious now they just they flatly do not give a shit. Um, the Republicans, you know, they want to open the door to a thousand years of, like, fascist darkness, and the Democrats, you know, just are endlessly hand-winging useless worms, spineless little fucks, we managed to punt this fucking corpse over the finish line. And they're they're bitching about it because, you know, they didn't win by a convincing enough margin to shut up the Trumpists 
in their opinion. I mean, come on. You've seen yeah. the 4chan copium posts by now. You know. You know they're bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, buckle up. We'll be around to help mm-hmm. you all out along the way. And this has been Chop Shop Economics. You read the shit so you- Yeah, bring the shit so you don't have to. <sighs> ah. Good luck, everyone. Bye. See y'all in the streets. <laughs> Ha <laughs>